0: Welcome to the November 26th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Lovell Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-22, through 22, and the sermon is entitled, Victorious Through Death, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Uh, First Peter chapter number 3, if you will take your Bibles and go there. This will be the, the last sermon before we jump into the Christmas season or the Christmas sermons uh, that I have prepared. So this will wind out First Peter for the rest of this year. We'll jump back in chapter number 4 at the beginning of next year. And what a way to end. One of the most difficult scriptures in all the Bible is what we find today as we come to the end of chapter number three we're dealing with the church that is dispersed and that is out on its own and Peter writing some words of encouragement and last week if you remember verse number 17 as we left off Peter writes it is better if it if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil doing it is good to suffer If it's so be God's will that you are doing the right thing and doing the right thing than doing the evil thing. And that's sometimes hard. When you're trying to do right and you're trying to live right and you're trying to follow God right. And you're suffering for that. That's hard stuff. And yet Peter says this. It's better. It's better to suffer that way than to be doing the wrong thing and suffering for that and in between that on that side of things look at chapter number four verse number one it says this for as so much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise with the same mind so in between suffering for doing right And chapter 4 is going to open up with arm yourselves in this mind that Christ has suffered also. We find today's scripture. And as we think about the greatest need of our life or the greatest victory that we can see and that is that of Christ being victorious over the cross and over death and over hell that He lives forever. And so today... The greatest example of suffering that anyone can look at is if we stare solely at what Jesus went through for the sins of the world. And we see someone who suffered undeservingly for those sins of people and he rightfully so went to that cross suffering the agony of the pain and of the death that it would bring life. To millions who would follow. And so today I've titled this sermon Victorious Through Death. Because it is Christ's death that gives every single one of us the victory in this life, no matter what we will face. First Peter chapter number three. I'm gonna start this morning by reading verse number 18. Here's what God's word says. For Christ also hath suffered for suffered excuse me for Christ hath, hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit. The first thing that I want you to see today is the greatest need. The greatest need in all the world When we look at that and we think about that, we can sometimes answer that question. What is the greatest need by simply putting Jesus' name there? The greatest need in all the world is Jesus. But I want to expound a little bit through this verse and say this. The greatest need in our lives and in every life is to first realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. If we're not careful, we can still miss Jesus knowing that he is the answer if we don't recognize that we are sinful and hell-bound apart from Jesus. In verse number 18, here's what it says. Peter writes, Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Those sins, the Bible teaches those sins are what separates us from our Lord. And it is those sins in which Jesus died for. Those sins are the wrong that we have done before a holy God in action, in word, and in thought. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And here's what Peter writes, Christ suffered for our sins he didn't suffer for his own because he was sinless but he suffered for your sin and my sin as he went to the cross that verse also says that he suffered once there's no additional sacrifice needed in a day of atonement where they would have to kill and sacrifice to atone for their sin here's what Peter writes Peter says this he's done it once for all time the, as the sacrifice in Jesus going to that cross there's no other action needed because the debt has been paid there's nothing you can do apart from receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior on that cross Jesus suffered for our sins he suffered once For the final payment of sin. And he also suffered the just for the unjust. A substitutionary death. Jesus taking our place. Our punishment. An innocent man taking the punishment of sin filled people. He took our place and our punishment. But Jesus also did this in in going to the cross. As he took our place. And as he took our punishment, he gave us a promise that if we trust in him in this finished work, that that will last forever. Look at the end of verse number 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Those are important words. Why did Jesus go to the cross You have all your reasons found in this verse. He went to the cross to die for our sins. He went to the cross for the final payment of sin. He went to the cross in our place for sin. And he went to the cross to bring us to God. The cross, the blood, the sinless sacrifice, all God's perfect plan to bring sin-filled people to a holy God. And on a week that we celebrate Thanksgiving, aren't you thankful that the greatest need in our lives has an answer? And the answer to sin is Jesus. Peter does a tremendous job in teaching a hurting, a suffering people their need for a Savior. This morning in Clifford Baptist Church Sanctuary, here's the truth. We all stand on level ground looking to a Savior who fulfilled verse number 18. And as He suffers on that cross, we know that Jesus suffered to bring us to God and we should allow our suffering to do the same. There's a lot of people, when they suffer in this day, they push away from God. And here's the challenge. When the hard days come, Christians, that suffering and that hurt and that pain should bring us to our Savior, not push us away. The greatest need. I want you to see that in verse number 18. Look at verses 19 and 20. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. I told you we were going to get to some hard scripture, and here we are. These are hard verses. But the point that I want you to get from this is there's a generation of Noah that grabs our attention that Peter points to, and he wants a church and a suffering people to look back to. And looking at this generation of Noah, we see the most complex scripture in God's word in verse number 19. And I'm here to tell you today I don't know that I really have the answer to this to you. I'm going to give you a couple of options and I'm going to give you what I think. As we see in verse number 19, it says this. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. This verse brings lots of questions. Some of those questions are this. Who are these spirits? And where is this prison? And what is Peter uh, referring to? And what did Jesus preach? There's a lot of different thoughts. And I'm going to give you three of them today. And I'm going to kind of center in on the one that maybe I believe. When we look at the explanation of this verse, there are some that believe that Jesus went to purgatory or a holding cell went to purgatory, and he preached to human souls a message that would give them a second chance. Now, in looking at this and thinking through this, I don't know that I agree fully with this because there's a lot of questions here. Jesus doesn't give a second chance. The Bible says you die once and then the judgment. There's no second chance. There's no holding cell. If, if he preached to certain ones and he rescued certain ones, why doesn't he do that with everyone? So I don't necessarily agree with that one. The second one is this. That sometime after his death on the cross and before his resurrection, that Jesus visited and preached to the spirits which are fallen angels that been held since the days of Noah. The word preach that is used here is not an invitation to the gospel preaching. It is a proclamation of heralding of victory. So Jesus proclaimed victory to these angels or fallen angels of the day. That is the second view. I can see it, but I still have questions. The third view is this the third explanation centers on the word when in verse number 20 and I want you to look there with me which time some were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein a few that is eight souls were saved by water the third explanation centers in the days of Noah as that great construction project of the ark was being built, and you can read about that in Genesis chapter 6 as the world was in such distraught and the construction of the ark and the flood in chapter number 7 of Genesis. You can read all of it as Noah built that ark, taking upwards of 75 years of his life to build, that he preached to those people in the day that came by that ark and that watched him build and that questioned what he was doing, that he preached to that. And as Noah was was heralding or proclaiming victory in that day, you must get on the ark. You must get on the ark. It was the voice. It was the spirit of Christ in him, allowing him to preach in those days. Those days of Noah... The Bible say were wicked days, but it was Christ through Noah preaching to those souls that were in a prison of their own sin and wickedness. Personally, this is the one that I can relate to as I studied, I even pulled Nathan in the office and said, help me with this this week. I've prayed through this and I've revisited and I can see different viewpoints. And here's what I want to say. If you have a different viewpoint than me, it's okay. We can still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether it was a fallen angel or whether it it was to the, the people of Noah's day. Here's what we need to learn from in this. The world is still wicked in need of a savior. And that impending judgment on the world was coming. And the only way out was the ark in which Noah was telling them, in which Noah was building, in which Noah was inviting them to come. And here's the sad part about the story. In verse number 20, it says the people were disobedient. It says God was long-suffering. Do you see that? It says the ark was being prepared. And in the, in the day of disobedience and long suffering and preparation, the end of verse number 20 says, There are only a few that chose to follow, that chose to answer the call. I hit the fast forward button to 2023, and in a disobedient world, and we're gracious enough that we still have a God that is long-suffering and patient and waiting for all to come to Him. We still have a way that has been prepared to heaven. It's not by an ark, it's by the cross in which Jesus went to. The Bible still teaches us the way is narrow, and few will find it. What is there to learn about a generation of Noah that we can use in this day in which Peter writes? Yes, God rescued them on this day, and here's what Peter's saying. I believe God will rescue you in your day. You just have to be faithful to the Lord. As Noah put his three sons and his three daughter-in-laws and Ms. Noah on that boat... They were the only ones that were saved that day. And I believe what Peter is saying is there's an opportunity still this day for people to get on the boat. To put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But there will be a day, just as the day of Noah, that God shut the door of the ark. There will be a day that God closes the door In every generation, there are those who are obedient and there are those who are disobedient. And Peter is encouraging these that are dispersed, these young believers that are out in the world, continue to be faithful to God, continue to obey his word, and he will rescue you. Look at verse number 21. like figure whereon even baptism doth also now save us not the putting away of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ there were some that were saved through the water and i want you to see in verse number 21 the importance of baptism Connecting Genesis to verse number 21. Peter is not saying here that baptism saves you. I know that's what the, the King James Version says. It says even baptism doth also now save us. But he says this. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But the answer of a good conscience toward God. It is not the outward action of baptism that saves. Last week. Twelve people were baptized on Sunday morning. Two more were baptized on Monday afternoon. Fourteen people trusted their life to Jesus Christ. In good conscience to Jesus Christ, as Peter would say. We celebrate that. But baptism is the outward sign of what Jesus has done on the inside. The regenerative work of Christ on the inside. Last week... As we've seen those people baptized, we've seen them say yes. Is their work done? Absolutely not. It's just beginning. And these young believers have a lot to learn. And it takes you and I pulling in beside them and their families to teach them and to grow them in the Lord. But here's what I want you to see today what brings to mind. As I watched 14 people be baptized as this, the victory that Christ offers through his death and through his resurrection. There is a victory that is there. We sing the hymn, and we're going to get to it in just a second, in my last point, victory in Jesus. And if I were to poll about this church, three-quarters of you would say, that's my favorite hymn. We like to sing it in revival. And and we, we like to sing it to get us fired up and in the mood. And we like to recall what it says. I heard an old, old story about a Savior who came from glory. We know the words. We sing the words. But friends... It's about living that victory day in and day out of our spiritual life. Not just gathering together and singing it and making it, uh, letting it make us feel good. There is a victory in Christ in living your life for Him that He will give you. The last point. Verse number 22. Here's what God's Word says. Who has gone into heaven... And is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject to Him. Point number four is yes, there is victory in Jesus. How do you see a triumphant king? We see Jesus sitting on a donkey. With those waving palm branches shouting Hosanna. Yes, we see our king. Do we see our king as he was mocked and scourged and put on trial with the shouts of crucify him? Yes, we read about that and we know that is our king. Do we see our king as he was laid in a borrowed tomb for three days and the world stood still and and all hope was gone and and all, all hope was lost on those three days? How do we see our king? On the third day he rose and there he claimed victory over death, hell, and the grave. Is there victory in Jesus? Church, is there victory in Jesus? We need to live a life that shows victory in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We just don't need to gather and hope revival shows up or feel good when we sing a song. We need to live lives of truth that proclaim Jesus is our victor. Verse number 22 it doesn't put Jesus on the back of a donkey, it doesn't put Jesus on a cross, it doesn't put him in a tomb. It puts Him on His throne. Who has gone down to heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers are subject to Him. He is right where He belongs. And here's the truth as we wind down this service today. We see him on a throne room in heaven. And that's where we look to. We think that he's so far away. But my question to every person in here today is this. It's Jesus occupying the throne of your heart. And if he is not there, you have to give him that rightful place. He wants it. He begs for it. He pleads it. He deserves it. But you must let him Have it. Today, this is a strong, strong invitation. And it needs to be said. Because we are entering a very, very precious time as we celebrate our Savior coming to the world. Today, before you move around and before you pack up, listen. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. As we've seen through this scripture, this is the gospel presentation that he died for our sin. In verse number 18, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He is the one that bridges the gap. And today, if there's somebody that needs a savior, today will you give him the throne of your heart. The work has been done. It is finished Once and for all, he paid the price on the old cross for your sin. Will you say yes today? Christian, brother and sister, here's the challenge for you and for me. Will we lead a life that speaks victory to a world that needs it? We live true and honest lives before a Holy Father that a world will see, and they will see your Savior. This scripture has literally put me on my knees. And I know that if Jesus was concerned about those eight people in Noah's day, he's concerned about one in this day. And he's given us an opportunity to proclaim that good news. Christian brother and sister, will we take advantage of it? Clifford Baptist Church today, what a challenge for our church as we seek to proclaim His truth. May we pray together. Father God, Lord, we thank You. We thank You Lord that through a a sick voice Lord, You're able to use Speak your word, God. Today, I pray that nothing was heard of Jeffrey, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, there are decisions being made all across this room, Lord. Maybe even today, there's one person that needs you as Savior, God. We pray for that heart, Lord. As we think about that great need, Lord, I pray. If there's one here that has never said yes, Lord, that your spirit will draw near to that heart right now and draw them to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, today, Christian brother or sister that is not living the victorious life that is found through Christ and Christ alone, that they come and kneel and seek your help. God, today we give you a moment of invitation that brings every heart Before you, Lord, I pray that every heart in its rightful place allows Jesus on the throne. There's one here today that has never, ever put Jesus on the throne. We invite that one to come today and receive Jesus as Savior. God, have your way in this moment of decision, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.